Welcome to People from the Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome everyone to People from the Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce Butler, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network, and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. On today's show, our guest is Jackie uh, Paolino Gadigan, head of partnerships and outreach for Mamas in Music and mom to a baby girl named Sophia. She is also working on a music project called Womb, which has the intention of helping people heal from PTSD and PPD. She's also a government affairs consultant at Nushama Wellness and currently helping them expand into the state of Rhode Island and lobbying for their ketamine treatments to become more accessible. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. And I mean, you have a lot going on. You're doing a lot. You've done a lot. So I'm excited to hear you tell your story today. Um, Yeah, so it's good to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yep, the NYU was incredible experience. And, you know, I am so grateful to the professors that I had while I was studying there and them all being um, more or less open to my uh, crazy ideas. And I'm always going in a lot of different directions, as you can see from what I'm doing right now. So um, it was a great uh, opportunity for me to explore all of my different interests. Yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, my undergrad was at the University of Dayton and I was finance and then I transferred to sport management. And it also allowed me to start to pursue some some interests that I had that led me to the NYU program. So I can relate to that, <laughs> you know, having that type of experience. All right. So first question as we jump in, tell me about your journey to the NYU music business program. How did you get there? Sure. So um, after I completed my undergraduate degree, I was working on a political campaign, a referendum for casino legislation in um, the town of Newport, Rhode Island. And it was a very contentious campaign because it was a referendum and the no casino people um, had a very had a lot of funding behind them and uh, had some very strong and more or less derogatory narratives around it. Uh, but the goal was to take an existing casino and to get legislation to allow for the electronic table games to turn into regular table games, which would provide more jobs and more tax revenue for the existing business to continue and the uh, union workers to keep their jobs. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Uh, it was an unsuccessful um, campaign. Um, It was passed statewide, but it also had to be passed locally. And um, the locals did not want the casino expansion or the redevelopment. And, um, you know, the town of Newport lost a lot of tax revenue that otherwise would have gone to the schools and created a lot of jobs with benefits for um, the people who were working there. But uh, fortunately, in Tiverton, Rhode Island, the license was transferred over to there and they built a a facility over there. So um, that was my first job out of college and it was hard. It was very, it was very intense job. It it was pretty intense. Um, But I I have a background in politics. I grew up 
in democratic politics from you know the clinton world and that's mm. uh sort of my bread and butter of of what who i am today is because of um you know really hillary clinton who's my hero and mm. always will be mm. and um you know, I, I worked in um, a lot of different jobs after that. I spent some time working with Havas PR on uh, a campaign for Rhode Island where they were trying to um, promote the state's tourism. And um, Havas took on that campaign. And it was a very interesting opportunity for me as an intern <laughs> interning for this campaign where most of the team was from new york and there were very few rhode islanders actually working on this campaign within the havas sphere so i got to experience corporate world and uh, also be a valuable asset to them as a rhode islander and was able to then get hired on full time um, and move to the, their new york office and prior after that and that was a that i did that for a year um and then i i left to go work for hillary clinton's campaign oh wow and that did not end the way that we had all hoped right so, <laughs> to, put it, to put it lightly it definitely was yeah yeah it definitely yeah. didn't end the way i'm i'm sure you hoped and thought it would it it certainly did not oh, so yeah. here here i was lost and confused and mm -hmm. having to move back in with my parents and right. I needed to figure something out. So I applied to school again and I applied to NYU. I got in touch with uh, Larry Miller and it was past the deadline already, but he was like, just apply anyway. So I did um, and I didn't get in, but he encouraged me to reapply the following year and I got in and I made the choice not to go. I took a mm. job instead with uh, uh, Governor Cuomo's Office of Motion Picture and Television Development at Empire State Development. Mm, and it okay. was a really interesting job. And I worked there for a year. And then I got a, another job offer that I couldn't really refuse working for the Gabelli funds. It paid a lot better than government work and <laughs> I wanted to learn about finance. While I was there, I um, started uh, working with a gentleman named John Tinker who became a mentor of mine. And um, he is a, an analyst that covers uh, the entertainment industry, including music. So. You know, while I was doing social media and compliance work for the Gabelli Funds, um, he and I would always talk music and we would talk about different aspects of the music industry. Around that time, hmm. I uh, discovered that Spotify was doing some new things with, um, with their permissions and I decided hmm. to read the fine print. <laughs> and it turns out that... Um, once I read through everything and I did a little more digging, I saw that Spotify has the ability to go into your playlists and change your playlists, move music around. So like your personal playlist that you create. And I brought this to John Tinker's attention. He brought it to Hannah Karp's attention at, uh, at Billboard and they ended up doing uh, a cover story about it. Um, oh, wow. the, title of, the title of the article was, You Listen, They Watch. Mm. 
so uh, that was kind of like my my first big uh, taste of getting into the billboard world. I was never quoted, but um, the analyst John Tinker was. And um, then going from there, I made an introduction between him and Larry Miller, and the two of them did a pretty fantastic episode on musonomics um, about oh. his take on the music industry. So that was me. I coordinated that. I was the the girl behind the scenes. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. Let's real quick. Let's let's back up a little bit. So mm -hmm. after after what happened with the Clinton campaign, mm -hmm. you were thinking about what you were going to do. What, what ultimately kind of was the spark that said, you know, I want to go to school and pursue a master's in music business. Well, I love to learn. I'm one of those people who never stops learning and um, I've always been really passionate about music, but there was something in me like a i guess it's a a voice in my own head telling that was telling me that um you know i i wasn't allowing myself to to go for it to just go for the music stuff but you know after okay. that very traumatic <laughs> presidential <laughs> campaign right. you know I, I think i just gave a little less um f word <laughs> ex <Right. expletor. laughs> and uh right. i just I just was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I've got nothing to lose. And I applied, I got in and, um, you know, I've, I've loved music my entire life. It's always been part of me. I always have it playing in my head and it's always been a really healing thing for me. And I wanted to understand the music industry. And more than that, I wanted to understand how to help, um, the artists and musicians working in the space, um, in particularly women, um, to try to, you know, help them, you know, be more successful and get better rights and get better deals. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one to ruffle feathers and I wanted to help be one of those people to advocate, um, for people like myself, but on the artistic side. And I'm also an artist, by the way, I, I write, and um, I've recorded a lot of music and, you know, while it's not my, my day job by any means, I see myself more as um, a producer and a connector. Um, it is a, it is a passion of mine and I, I am an artist. Wow. Interesting. So then, so then when you apply for the program and you get in, I mean, obviously you have this interesting background coming from politics. Mm -hmm. you were able to defer your admission how did that kind of there, work there was no deferral i had to just say no which was really hard for me oh, um okay. and i was i was like ready to go but i i ended up taking this job instead and um, so a lot of my career trajectory has been about me learning to stop taking my father's advice. <laughs> so, um, you know, the more the more I got into music, the less I was taking his advice. And I'm grateful that I was able to find my own voice in the process. Um, and you know what? He's still proud of me, even though I didn't do exactly what he said. What he said. So. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so you make the introduction um to larry for the musicnomics mm -hmm. podcast shout out to larry right. the director of the nyu music business program okay so then after that you know obviously you're thinking man this i've really got the itch i've really got the passion for this business mm -hmm. what happens after that so then i apply to the program uh with 
Oh my gosh. Berkeley. I got into the Berkeley program in Valencia, Spain. And, um, you know, I'm not in NYU. I applied to Berkeley because it was mm. a one program. And I was like, let's just get it knocked out and I can go have an abroad experience and that'll be great. And at the time, um, my husband had just gotten into business school at Duke University. He, okay. at, back then, he was my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And um, his father was quite ill. Um, he was uh, terminal. He had ALS. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had to make some choices. So uh, I actually reached out to a mentor of mine. I haven't spoken to him in a few years, but um, I still consider him a mentor. Um, Monty Lipman, the CEO of Republic Records. And I was like, mm. I don't know what to do. And he gave me the best advice that I've ever gotten in my entire life in any business. And that was to follow my heart. So I did. I didn't, I didn't go back to school. I moved mm. to North Carolina with my boyfriend. We ended up getting married. We did the whole COVID thing together. <laughs> mm. Um, we now have a baby and, um, yeah. And while I was down there, um, I ended up doing a yoga teacher training <laughs> for 200, a 200 hour yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. COVID hits. I was working on the Bloomberg campaign for one month. He backed out of, he, it was a super Tuesday. He didn't do well. So he, he dropped out of the campaign and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I applied to NYU again. I got in <laughs> and I decided again. I got in again sure. um, and I decided to go. So fortunately for me, um, unfortunately for in general, because it was such a difficult time, everything was remote. So I right. could stay with my husband in North Carolina. We weren't married yet. We were engaged and um, we uh, were able to both be in school at the same time. And I did uh, the first big part of my education um, at NYU over over Zoom in the middle of a pandemic when everyone was trying to figure out how to work technology and how to yeah. network. And it was it was hard. I think I in a lot of ways, I, I struggled to do the networking side of things. And there was certainly some shell shock coming out of uh, COVID and having to go back in person. Um, I think that's where I struggled too, but it really reinforced for me the importance of mental health in the music industry because it's right. been a big part of my own journey and it's a big part of, you know, what I have experienced with, um, you know, COVID and even before that with some PTSD stuff and it really um, helped inform the different topics in my education that I wanted to explore in, in my research. So um, went back to New York, took more classes, um, ended up leaving New York, did the remainder of my classes remotely from North Carolina. Mm. And then all I had left was my thesis, uh, my colloquy, which I had to delay because I got pregnant <laughs> and <laughs> I was supposed to finish it right within my first trimester, which um, if you didn't already know this, the first trimester is one of the most difficult parts of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was um, very nauseous and had headaches and very fatigued. And it was um, 
So I, my advisor was uh, flexible with me and we worked it out so that I could have extra time completing my, um, my paper and my research. And I ended up graduating um, about a, a semester late, but walked the following year. Right. Right. Wow. So interesting. So, so I, I want to back up a little bit because you, you dropped a little something and I, and I don't want to just gloss over it. So you were working, obviously working in politics, but mm -hmm. connecting people and starting to meet people in the music business as you want to make this transition. Mm -hmm. um, you, you mentioned Monty Lippman. That's an interesting, yeah. that's a guy to have as a mentor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, how oh, did, it's been, it's so been years, I wish. The program, how, how did that connection come about for you to meet him? And for um, him to have, and for him to actually, you you be able to get to a place where you could pick up a phone and call him or reach out to him. Yeah, um, it's a weird story. <laughs> so um, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, while we're here, I'll I'll get into it with you. So um, I like I had mentioned earlier that um, when I was in college, I had recorded a couple of albums and. You know, I'm I'm very um, I'm very fortunate that my my parents like as much as they've advised me career wise to do certain things creatively, they've always been very supportive of mm -hmm. my musical um, pursuits. Excellent. And um, there was an opportunity through a company called Charity Buzz to meet with Monty Lipman and pitch him my music. Mm. Now, <laughs> by the time. I had to have this appointment with him. I got real with myself and I was like, I am by no means the caliber of artist that Republic Records is looking for. Okay. I'm just not, I'm just not, and that's okay. But I was really interested in the music business and I knew someone who was that caliber of artist and she happens to be my cousin. Her name is Bria Lee and she's okay. got a voice like a mixture of Amy Winehouse, Adele, and Lady Gaga. It's oh, wow. a, she's <laughs> insanely talented. She's classically trained on the piano and she can belt. She's all of five feet tall and she's got this <laughs> incredible voice that will literally give you chills. Like you walk into a room and she's singing and playing the piano and like, you know, she's, I think she's like the best kept secret in the music industry, honestly. Love it. Excellent. Yeah. So I took her with me and, um, she performed in Monty's office on his piano and he looked at the two of us and his jaw was like on the floor and he just looks at me, he goes, you're smart. And he looks at her and she, he goes, and you're incredibly talented. And he goes, and the two of you surprised me and no one does that. Wow. So, yeah. And, uh, he ended up signing her, uh, for a few really? years. Yeah. She had no social media. <laughs> She um, had no released music and um, she ended up while she was um, on Republic's label um, doing a music video with Fat Joe and, and released some, uh, some cool music. And um, now she's independent, but she is, I think, still one of the best artists and best kept secrets in the music industry. Wow, that's an excellent story. So she got signed and then you kept in touch with yeah yeah i mean he said he could only take one of us <laughs> right. so i i said take her 
because uh, you know she had the voice and she had more to offer than I did at that point because I really didn't know much about the music industry. I was fresh out, fresh out of college and right. I had, still had so much to learn. So um, I think that whole experience helped inform me um, in terms of my goals and what I wanted to do. And that was to learn more about the music industry and to try to keep growing and try to keep understanding more. And um, the more that I learned about the industry, the more that I realized that I didn't necessarily want to work for a big label. Um, I wanted to keep doing a lot of my um, my own ideas and to try to keep influencing kind of under the radar and and work more on the intersection of wellness and mental health and music. And so that's sort of where I'm at now. Right. Absolutely. And then you had said you hadn't spoken to him in a couple of years, but yet you were still able to get him on the phone and have this conversation. That's very, that's great. Like, yeah, I reached out. I was, I was, I was having a little bit of a moment and I was like, I I left him a message with his uh, assistant and I was like, I just need some advice. Like it won't take long. And he called me and we chatted and he was like, I I can't advise you on this. She's like, just, just follow your heart. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you for telling that story. I was just interested. Like, I don't want to gloss over that. I'm sure the listeners want to know, wait a minute, how did that come about? <laughs> yeah. You know, charity buzz, they've got great meetings. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you've got, if you've got a good, a uh, good pitch or a good idea, I mean, you can use them really strategically. Just don't waste people's time. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you make it to the program before the program, you did some work in the music business. What were some of the internships and things that you were doing to prepare yourself to finally say yes to the program when you applied and got in? Well, um, when I applied and got into the program, I was, um, I wasn't working in the music industry. I was working for Mike Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg's campaign. Um, but I had some of this background working for the Gabelli funds and doing some of the work um, on the music side of the business in more of the finance, um, in in more of like the finance side of things. And uh, I was interested in investing in music. Um, So that was sort of what kind of prepared me. Okay, right. So then once you got in, that's when a lot of kind of the internships that you had and a lot of those experiences started pretty early. You didn't waste any time kind of getting involved and getting more experience under your belt. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. We'll get, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, But okay. So now you've made it to the program, Mm -hmm. you know, you've, you've had this windy road and I've interviewed some interesting people that have had those windy roads to get to the program, but you Mm -hmm. said, yes, you come in and you're doing a lot of the online classes, obviously with COVID. What was your favorite class from the program and why? I don't know if I have a favorite class, but I have some favorite projects that I worked on. Um, I loved my professors. I loved all of them. Uh, professor George Stein was mm-hmm. my law professor. And yes, he was he mine was as well. Just, oh, he was just, he's just such a nice man. He's so, he's so kind. (laughs) And I feel like, I I mean, all the professors are, but I, I, he and I, um, 
I ended up kind of TAing for him a little bit. I, I really what I was doing was like tech support, but I, I helped run the um the Zoom calls for him for that class because um, you know, I think he was struggling to adapt as we all were to right. to the online um uh format of of how we were doing education. And um in terms of like the projects that I worked on, I really, really loved um, Professor Judy Tint's class about mm -hmm. live music. And I did a really cool project because I was interning for Sweet Relief Musicians Fund at the time. And I have a dear friend. Um, his name is Scotty Grant. He's an incredibly talented singer, songwriter, performer. Mm -hmm. um, he is Mahalia Jackson's great nephew. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And this, <laughs> this man's voice, let me tell you, uh, it, it, it blows my socks off. And I love that I get to co-write with him. It's such a privilege and an honor. Um, but I, I worked with him and we put together like, um, like a digital concert where he performed and we raised money for Sweet Relief. So that was fun. That was fun to do that. And yeah, other than awesome. that, I really enjoyed working um, on this project for my publishing class. And um, that was with Professor Dodes and Dodes, sorry. And that was, we, we did this one, it was, uh, we had to look at covers of songs. And so I looked at the song um, Moon River. And mm -hmm. I looked at the original version from Breakfast at Tiffany's and I looked at the um, the cover done by um, Frank Ocean and the change mm -hmm. in lyrics and, and why. And so I did a, a little bit of an analysis as to the connotations of the lyrics and and why they um, were different and how why they're performed differently by different artists. And I thought that was um, you know, that was a really interesting uh, project that I got to work on. And um, then I did this really um, interesting paper for Professor um, Sam Howard Spinks class. It mm -hmm. was the, um, it was about Israel, actually. Oh, it was about, it, it was, this was like two years ago now, but it was about Israel and dance music, which was like, okay. Yeah, um, I was talking to Professor Miller about it later on, and I was like, I'm not wrong. I'm just early. And he goes, that, that's true, because <laughs> I've always come to him with these crazy ideas. And he's um, he's always kind of like looked at me weird. But then like later, he's like, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was about like the I was looking at the IDF and dance music culture and how um, Goa trance music and the influence of Goa India on music in Israel. It's because the IDF, after they complete their service, a lot of them, a lot of the um, veterans, they'll travel to Goa and they'll just kind of like chill out for a while. Most of them have PTSD of some sort. And there's, um, you know, like with most music, um, music cultures, there's a pretty significant drug culture within like the psychedelic space and dance mm -hmm. culture. And so it's just kind of looking at, you know, that in terms of the effects on PTSD and 
you know, how it can be both beneficial and detrimental depending on the person's condition because um, psychedelic therapy isn't necessarily for everyone, but it can be very effective in the right set and setting. Um, and then my colloquy was also with Sam Howard Spink mm-hmm. that was on um, psychedelic um, therapy, uh, emerging therapies, and the music industry in different ways that artists can um, use their music in ways outside of streaming um, and mm. make money in unique ways. So, for example, I looked at um, an artist named East Forest, and recently he did a tour where all of the music and like all of his concerts were laying down. So people come mm-hmm. and they just lay down and like listen to these sound baths that and music has a psychedelic component to it with or without drugs. But yes. you know, mm-hmm. when when paired, obviously, there's a, a profound effect. And so all of they're basically ceremonies, these giant music concert ceremonies. So that was um, that was interesting. And I looked at another company called Wave Paths and um, mm-hmm. That is, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's basically a a platform where um, the therapist is able to DJ a psychedelic therapy session (laughs) with different different parts of um, music. And it's different for the different kinds of um, substances that are being used, MDMA or psilocybin Mm. or ayahuasca or uh, ketamine. Um, and then I looked at a clinic called Nushama Wellness, which is um, in Manhattan, and it's basically a luxury day spa for your brain. And they provide ketamine-assisted therapy with some of the most incredible music playlists. And um, I know many of the people who um, work there and who created um, those playlists of music. A lot of research and time went into that. And mm-hmm. so I, I applaud that. Shout out to James. Um, great mm-hmm. job on that music. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's it's cool. I, I actually ended up becoming a patient there um, after I gave birth because I had pretty severe postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to go on SSRIs because right. I was breastfeeding. And so ketamine was an incredible option for me because I could, it has a very short half-life. Mm-hmm. And it has an incredible effect on uh, hormones. So uh, it would help to regulate my hormones a little bit. Mm-hmm. It gave me the immediate, um, you know, depressive, like antidepressant um, effect. And then um, I also had an, a fantastic integrator, which is like the the coach, the therapist who right. works with, um, with you um, about the intention and about what you want to integrate into your life. And it was during these sessions that um, I was inspired. I was, you know, getting the treatment and I was, you know, literally feeling the music that I was listening to in my entire body. And I felt like my entire body start to like shift and change and my mind expand in a way that I was starting new music projects in my head and I was coming up with new ideas. So that's where the idea for my um, music project Womb came from. And it's a music project that, you know, it's it's meant the intention is to heal not mm-hmm. just those with a womb, but but everyone creating the safety of womb through music. Right. Interesting. Is it 
you can correct me on this, but when you were talking, you know, obviously music therapy is here and people have been doing that. I, I, I can't speak to how old the actual practice of music therapy is, but would you say that this comes under the guise of almost like you have alternative medicine, like alternative music therapy? Yes, so actually I took a class at NYU. It wasn't in the music business program, but okay. it was in the music therapy program because I just wanted to learn about what yeah. music therapy yeah. was. And it's very different. It's got a whole set of like guidelines yeah. okay. and it's very scientific. Um, right, because that right, therapy in itself has to be regulated, I guess, in some form or fashion. Yes, correct. Right. So okay. I would consider this like music wellness um if because it's it's less regulated but you know it does inherently have its own therapeutic value so it but it it just doesn't have the same guidelines and standards as traditional music therapy which is you know incredible it's it's an incredible tool out there but um this is more within the wellness and like spiritual realm of healing you know, it's interesting because this has come up in various conversations I've had about the application of our NYU music business program and how many people may have this very, I'll use the word traditional kind of view of the pathway that, oh, you want to work at a record label. So you come, you study this stuff, you go work. But this program can allow you to apply your passions with music in so many different ways and and take it and work in so many different spectrums and your story even up until now is just such an example of that because it's so unique like you may be the first person i've met i mean i'm sure maybe there are others but you may be the first person i've met from the program that is using their education from the program in this way while at the program like creating these really unique kind of lanes for yourself and I just want to call that out and say, you know, it's just great to see there are so many, I hope the listeners see there are so many wide avenues to take when pursuing something in music and creative spaces. Yeah, I mean, I could have gone the more traditional route and I probably would have had a salaried job right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of layoffs going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it's, uh, I, I've never been one to follow the rules. I mean, not in a malicious way ever, but you know, I, I don't really, it's just who I am. I've, I've embraced how I am different and how I think differently. And I've always thought outside of the box. And so I think my advice to, um, students coming into this program would be think outside the box. Don't follow the rules. Be weird. I'm weird. And I'm able to just explore the things that you're curious about, get really curious. And yeah, there's like internships that'll like help lead you to a job and a salary. But if you have the flexibility to try things a little differently, then do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, trying different things, particularly while you're in school, should be encouraged and yeah, should be done. So mm-hmm. if you have that opportunity, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that leads right to my next question. Is that your main takeaway from the program? 
Um, or is it something else that you would highlight? Like, oh yes, this is good what I just said, but this would actually be the main takeaway that I got from it. Like, what would that be? Uh, you know, I'm gonna just make a call back to what Monty Lipman told me. <laughs> my main ta- my main takeaway from this program is just to follow your heart. Right. And yeah. that's what I have done through this entire process. I followed my heart. I prioritized family. I have prioritized helping people. And I've prioritized uh, loving myself and taking care of my mental health. And being in school is never easy on one's mental health. And so I really, really, really right. encourage people um, prioritize their truest self, their best self in this entire process because careers come and go, but right. your intention should be constant. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I guess that intention ties back into what do you ultimately want to pursue and what are you ultimately passionate about? This can be many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you are someone that takes a completely opposite perspective. You are passionate about the numbers and accounting. That could be very well, but then follow that. Where does that intention take you? How do you want to explore that? Um, whatever it may be, just to continue to do that. I think, yeah, I think that's a great. I think that's a great yeah. takeaway. So, yeah, yeah. I, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. My, my, I think my greatest strength, other than thinking outside of the box and and being early, not wrong, <laughs> is um, <laughs> that I have this incredible ability to connect people, and I've done that with all of my internships that I did while I was at NYU. That was just my strength. I knew how to put people together. I knew how to get people in the right rooms together to start the right dialogues and. Um, you know, I'm valued for that. The people who know me know to call me when they when they need to meet someone or need an idea. And that's that's what I will continue to do. I probably should charge for that. But <laughs> right now, um, I, I just think it's uh, not necessarily sweat equity, but just sweat karma. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. So that leads us, I guess, to the next question, which is, OK, so if you've gone through the program. You've done these projects, they're very unique. Okay, and then the program comes to an end or finishes. So let's talk about some of the things you're doing now with with, um, Nushama Wellness and Mm -hmm. with Mamas in Music, you know? Sure. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I was struggling with postpartum depression and I found, you know, that's my other piece of advice. If you're, someone who wants to have a family, have your family, do not stop and advocate for other people. If you don't have a family yet, advocate for mothers because mothers are the most incredible creators and the most incredible workers in this industry. And we don't give them enough credit. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had a little bit more foresight and I had done a better job of advocating for mothers prior to doing it because I feel like um, my pathway into motherhood would have been a lot easier. Mm. Um, so, you know, as I said, um, you know, I started working with mamas in music just because I needed community and I needed to find other mamas who, um, were dealing with some of the same things that I was everything from postpartum to discrimination. I can't tell you how many job interviews I was on with recruiters who told me that I should probably wait a year before applying to jobs. 
um, which yeah. was so demoralizing and not what someone like me needed to hear, right. who, mm-hmm. you know, really just wanted to work and wanted to be felt, be felt like a valued team member and be able to contribute my ideas because I have a lot of them and I have a lot of value that I bring to the table. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Mamas and Music became an opportunity for me to to do that. And I hope that other companies will follow suit. But right now, um, there's, you know, some some really great advocacy groups and nonprofits that are doing this. And so that's where I found my niche. And I've been using my ability to connect people and to promote the work that they're doing um, and to help uh, create partnerships uh, for this incredible nonprofit and these incredible women who, who are mamas. Yeah. So kind of let's dig a little bit into that, Manusha. What types of partnerships are Mamas and Music looking to make? Like with what type of companies and what does a partnership with that organization look like? So it can be everything from um, a joint event to um, a sponsorship. Um, if someone wants to make a donation to a 501c3 nonprofit it, mm-hmm. that is tax deductible, um, we are always, always, always <laughs> welcoming that Absolutely. because our incredible team um, could really use the support and we want to, um, it's our it's our every intention to use the money that comes in to help mamas who need help. And that's, you know, everything from, you know, helping them get a doula if they need a doula, or um, it could be paying them for a really creative music project. Mamas and Music comes out with some really incredible albums that we've released with Empath. Um, and APM music. And so we've got this, these incredible music libraries um, that we're working with, but you know, we need to pay these artists for their time and for their energy because um, the music is very high quality. And um, you know, I encourage you to check out our website, um, www.mamasandmusic.com or mm-hmm. .org, I think. <laughs> Don't call me out. I think it's .org. Is, is Mamas, <laughs> just for the specifics, is Mamas and Music acting almost as as a label or more of a publisher or something like that? Um, no, it's it's a community-based advocacy group. So we okay. have every we do these meetups where you know we, we do education and um, then we have some incredible programs as well. And we will get together and we'll collaborate and we'll we'll bring artists to um, we'll have these different prompts that we'll we'll work on and we just had a a Christmas album, I believe, that just came out. So okay. I encourage mm-hmm. you to check that out. Um, and then as far as Nushama Wellness goes, um, after I completed my treatments there, I approached them about, you know, how do we make this more affordable for the everyday person? Because I, I was very privileged to have the opportunity to get this healing and it was very effective. It was like day and night. I was able to like Mm -hmm. get back to, you know, being with my child and having that bonding time that I otherwise would have probably lost. Um, And I wanted it for other people. And I want, I was thinking about veterans with PTSD. I was thinking about Mm -hmm. new moms, sexual assault survivors. And, um, you know, so, so all people with different mood disorders. And so what I, um, the music actually guided me to do, it's incredible how during these treatments, the music really 
guides all of your um, your takeaways. But um, what it guided me to do was um, to utilize my background in politics and, you know, where I come from, Rhode Island, it's a small state, so it's easy right. to get in touch with people, um, to try to create a pilot program to um, directly um, impact uh, people who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford these treatments. So we're in the process mm -hmm. of working on that. Um, nothing has happened yet. We're still writing up the, the bill. But um, I, you know, I knew which lobbyists to go to, I, I knew which organizations to go to. And um, so that's sort of what I've been doing is sharing my own story with postpartum depression. And mm -hmm. as a sexual assault survivor who's traumas were triggered um, by my, my traumatic birth. Um, mm. you know, we don't talk about that enough, but yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, just sharing these stories and sharing about how this treatment is so effective. Um, and so that's what I've been doing since then. And so music is a little bit less of the, um, the focus for me right now, other than in my volunteer work. But that said, um, you know, I, I really do believe that music is part of my heart and it is what guides me in everything that I do. Hmm. It's really interesting. Let me ask you a question. I've, I've never asked someone this question actually, but since your work, I mean, look, you're, you're in the music business and, and you have this work of wellness and, you know, focused on the things you're focused on and trying to combat PTSD and PPD. Let me ask you this. Do you think or do you believe that the industry itself, what people may have to go through to persevere and to actually be and move forward in this music business, whether it be as an artist or as a business executive, you know, with the with the kind of weird hiring processes that people have to go through mm -hmm. and, and just to struggle so much just to kind of get get your foot in and go. Do you feel that the industry itself causes PTSD to people? Yep. <laughs> I do. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, mean, I wanted to ask you that just to see so, if you thought that. Or not. So, but, so, but, you know, so does the political industry. So does uh, right. the financial industry. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, if we are not all doing the work on ourselves, um, mm. our own traumas can almost tra they can traumatize other people. And so right. the more that we can follow the lead of creatives and executives who are walking the walk and talking the talk and doing the work on themselves mm -hmm. and trying to share a I don't want to say more enlightened because that sounds a little woo woo, but <laughs> you know, a, a, a better intention, a healthy, in more how, mature. Yeah. A healthy, more mature and, and well-intentioned way of doing business. And it doesn't right. necessarily mm -hmm. have to be like, ah, mental health, mental health, mental wellness, but you know, like we have to lead with our hearts. We have to. And if we're not doing that, if we're very much in ego, all we're doing is causing harm. And I think there's um, an ethical right. implication of the music industry that we all need to take a lot more seriously, especially given the state of the world um, with what's happening in Israel and Palestine. And the music that we are releasing and the music that we choose to promote has an impact. And if we are in a position of power where we are choosing what people are listening to or what gets popularized, we really need to take accountability for that 
And so I, I think I'll just, uh, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> mm. I'm glad I asked that. Uh, as someone that does the work you do, uh, I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. So yeah, no, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So yeah, this has been a great conversation. I have two more questions. I like to ask all my guests these questions. Um, the answers I've gotten have been very wide ranging. So the first one, what are you curious about right now? And I know with you, because you do think outside the box, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Oh, you know, I listen to so much Elmo right now. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I would love to see like some scientific studies on um, children's music that is popular right now. Mm -hmm. um, and its effect on cognition and mental health longer term. Uh, I'm, I'm, I tend to always go more towards the science and you know, there may be some stuff already released right now, but um, I'm also really interested and curious about what popular artists, what top charting artists right now um, are getting, are, are going to continue to be getting involved in the wellness side of music. The, um, mm. So, I, you know, we've seen a little bit, I think Harry Styles did some stuff with Calm a little while back, but um, I'm really curious to see how many of them want to get involved in like medical centers, how many of them want to release music that gets played in an OBGYN's office, as opposed to um, having a TV in there that's playing the news with war and school shootings, you know, <laughs> like, I'd love to see more artists taking a stance. And I'm curious to see who's interested in doing it. And I'd love to work with them if they are. Wow, that's great. And then my last question is, if you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program, what would you say to yourself? And, and this will be interesting for you because you're coming from the program with this deep, almost experienced background in politics and all of these other things. So, you know, this wasn't, you know, this isn't new to you. You had to say no before, now you're back. So what would you go back on that first day that you started and tell yourself based on you know everything that you've done now you would have that experience so what would you say mm, what would i say love yourself yeah. it's it's hard it's hard out there it's really hard and i think a, a lot of the time I, it's funny I'm, I'm 32 now but you know i was almost transported back to like my middle school self at certain points um during this program where it felt like a popularity contest and it's not you're just getting an education stop taking it so seriously and um the other part of it is you know <laughs> it was funny for me as an older person in the program my music tastes were widely different than other people <laughs> who were a lot younger in this program and it made me feel very insecure at times but um i think to just you know, care a little bit less what other people think. And I think for the most part, I did a good job of that, but it um, didn't come without a lot of anxiety along the way. Wow. That is a good place to wrap up. Love yourself. <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> this was great conversation. Thank you for, for coming on the program and thank you for, for giving us your time to tell us your story. Thank you, Bryce. This was amazing. I love that you do this and hope to talk again very soon. Yes, I appreciate that. And thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. That was Jackie Paulino Gadigan. Uh, she was a great guest. 
Um, stay tuned in the future for more episodes. I will be bringing those to you. You can follow me on Twitter at BryceB88. Um, until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of People from the Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show.